This is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Review Radio. Catholic Review Radio is a weekly radio program and podcast hosted by Catholic Review Media, the news operation of the Archdiocese of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic partners for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to our listeners each week. This is Chris Gunty of the Catholic Review. To mark the feast day of St. John Paul II, which was October 22nd, this week we're talking with Maxime Nogier about Pope St. John Paul II and the National Shrine dedicated to his life and legacy. Maxime Nogier is Executive Director of the Shrine, which is a pastoral initiative of the Knights of Columbus. It's located in Washington, D.C. Maxime served on the staff of the Pontifical Council for the Family at the Vatican between 2009 and 2014, during which he organized the planning of two world meetings of families. He's also served at the Pontifical Academy of Life. Maxime and his wife reside in Virginia. They have two children. Welcome to the show. Welcome, Christopher. Thank you for the invite. Well, I mentioned at the beginning that the Pope's feast day is this time of year, but for most saints, the feast day is their date of death, marking their entrance into the heavenly kingdom of God. But Pope John Paul II died in April. So why was October 22nd, which is the the anniversary of his inauguration into the papacy in 1978, why was that chosen for his feast day? Well, this is a very good question. It's a question probably also for the congregation of saints who choose the questions, uh, uh, the answers, And I think it's very symbolic for us that the feast day is always the beginning of the pontificate of Pope John Paul II, because any time we celebrate John Paul II on this very particular feast day, it's like we, re- we, we return to discover the beautiful content of this Pope and also the themes, the narrative he explained to us, uh, which are quite significant for our current times. So I would say it's the days connected to his pontificate more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about the John Paul II Shrine. You're located near the Basilica, the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception on the campus of Catholic University in Northeast DC. You're actually across the street from the campus, uh, but what does the shrine offer? Well, we are very lucky to be in a beautiful neighborhood, you know, called Little Rome, which was very sensitive to my heart when I moved to the United States. As you said before, I lived for many years in Rome, Italy. And uh, the, the shrine offers 365 days a, day, uh, a year uh, presidential class exhibit of the life and uh, the pontificate of John Paul II. Uh, this exhibit is very much featuring, uh, as I said, the, the themes this Pope developed, not just for the Catholic Church, but for any man, any man of goodwill, any person who would like to welcome or discover Christ. So the shrine offers this very unique personal experience you can have with Christ, with the word, following the footstep of John Paul II. It also has the beautiful church named after the first encyclic of John Paul II, the Redemptor Hominis Church, the Redeemer of Man, our Savior, the person who comes to meet us where we are in our life, and uh, a, a Luminous Mysteries Chapel, named after the mysteries uh, John Paul II uh, established 
uh, and the rosaries where you have a first class relic of John Paul II. It's quite a very unique relic. It's a blood um, capsule of John Paul II. And those two um, sanctuaries have been decorated uh, by Father Marco Rupnik and have these beautiful theological themes of mosaics um, made by Father Rupnik, who worked with John Paul II. So the shrine of dedicated to John Paul II is, is very much a unique place on the North American continent. It's a personal experience where visitors, pilgrims, can learn more about Pope John Paul II. They can meet Christ in their own life. They can heard, be heard in confession, have there is a unique sacrament, a national shrine offers to uh, the pilgrims. But they can also discover you know, how, how Christ met the man of all time in our current times. But it's way more than just a museum. You have a lot of other kinds of events that are there, right? What kinds of things do you offer in addition to the artifacts? It's not a museum, as you said, exactly. Where the description of this place obviously is a natural location where we have pastoral activities. So as, as we know now, we have the celebration of John Paul II coming uh, on the weekend of October the 22nd, 23rd. And uh, we have, um, during the entire liturgical calendar, you know, very special pastoral events made after the words, the thought, the teachings of John Paul II. We also have the collaboration of the Sisters of Our Lady of the Divine Mercy, who every day pray the, 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 the prayer of the Hour of Mercy at 3 p.m. It's broadcasted in person at the shrine. So we are a shrine uh, with pastoral activities, with the daily masses, with the daily confession for, for penitence, and uh, with signature events. And among the signature events, we have the celebration of saints. What are some of the unique artifacts that you have there at the shrine? The unique artifacts, uh, m most of them, I would say, are uh, religious artifacts. I mentioned the relic. Uh, the sacred heart made for this location. So it's everything has been handmade. The mosaic has been handmade. The, the, the reliquary with the blood of John Paul II are, are, are being made by, uh, by uh, Italian artists. Altars, there's nothing there is standard. It's, everything has been customized. But there's also artifacts related to the life of John Paul II. Uh, we have his crozier he used as, as a pope. We have also some of his clothing. But I would say the most important part of the, of, the, of the exhibit is not so much the museum aspect of people think that we are a presidential uh, library. It's not about that. We are looking towards the future. We are looking forward. That's why as, as a shrine geared to the Gentiles, as we say in the Bible, it's within the gospel, you know, we are, we are geared with, yes, some artifacts, Feature in a, in an exhibit, but with a narrative, with an evergreen narrative, with the themes developed by John Paul II on the new evangelization, on the marriage and family, on uh, on the truth and inculturation, etc., uh, etc. Et and all those themes are developed in the exhibit, with a, at the beginning as as a pilgrimage starting from Poland 
until the end of his life with the celebration of his canonization and this beautiful room, the communion of saints room, where you can contemplate on four walls all the saints, you know, recognized by the church under uh, Pope John Paul II. So I would say the experience of coming at the shrine goes beyond seeing artifacts. It's, again, it's a human Christian experience. Mm-hmm. Maxime, how did you get to be involved as executive director of the shrine? Do you have any personal connections to the Pope and his papacy? Well, no, personal connection, I, 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 didn't, I, I didn't have any. Uh, but as uh, I was, you know, I was 20 years old in 2000. So, yes, as, as, as a young student, I remember very well having been, you know, touched by Pope John Paul II in uh, World Youth Day in Torregata uh, uh, in Rome. Uh, I, I remember him as a pope. I was born under the pontificate of John Paul II, so I still today I consider myself a baby John Paul II because he was a pope of my entire life until he passed away. No, I mean uh, I would say growing in Europe, we have a, we we are Christian feminists tend to be very connected with Rome because, for instance, for Christmas or for Easter. Uh, at noon, we have the benediction urbi and orbi, you know, to the city and to the world. So these kind of connection are more naturally alive in a church, in a, in a, in a, for, for, for Christian in Europe. Here in the United States, it's almost impossible because, you know, on the East Coast, noon, that means you have to wake up at 6 a.m. just to get the benediction in, in Latin, which you do not yes. understand. So, no, I never met John Paul II. He, he, really, he, really, uh, he really meant a lot for me as a young man. And, uh, and the, the fact that I've been studying in Rome later on was obviously directly connected to the influence, the historical influence this pope had, not just on my life, but on the entire world and the youth and the, and the generation of the people who knew him as, as, as a man and as a pope. I actually was fortunate enough to have met him twice, once in Rome in 1984, and again in Phoenix in 1987 when he visited there. And during the time in Phoenix, actually, I was in the van, the media van that followed the motorcade the entire time. And every time the Pope went in to a venue, I went in there with him because of because I was editor of the Catholic paper there. It was uh, really incredible to be that close to somebody who who later you know became a saint. There's a lot that goes into that. Um, how did you get to become the the executive director of the shrine? I know you're connected to the Knights, and it's a pastoral initiative there. How did you get chosen for this? Yeah, well, at at that time I was working as a pontifical council for the family, and that's how I I I, I met you know past Supreme Knight Carl Anderson and his wife who were members of the of the dicastery of the family. And as you probably know, but Pope John Paul II created an institute dedicated for studies on marriage and family. Yes. And at that time, I was uh, I was assistant of the secretary of the Council for the Family, who happened to be the vice president of this institute. So obviously, the teaching of John Paul II on marriage and family just meant a lot for me. Uh, as a Christian, as a Catholic, but also as a student while I was studying bioethics. Um, so with my experience uh, at the Council for the Family, uh, my interest for the Knights of Columbus grew significantly. And when the possibility was offered for me just to move to the United States, be working for a very strong organization 
who was standing with the Pope uh, and, 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 and promoting, you know, the teaching to the Pope at the very practical level, not theoretical, but just very concretely. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know any person who would say no for such an offer. So yes. I've been very, I've been very excited. And uh, it took me, uh, I would say, a, a long time to say yes, because, you know, living your country, living your culture, um, changing your entire life to 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 meet the new world. I mean, it was 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 kind of a, 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 a challenge. But you know, I left Rome for the new Rome in Washington D.C. because today we are very much uh, living under the. Uh, I mean, Washington is 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 a, is a national capital of the United States, and um, and so the the, the night the night uh, you know uh, just uh, offered me this uh, unique opportunity to be working from the shrine. At that time, um, Patrick Kelly was the executive director here in Washington D.C., and when he uh, he became a deputy supreme knight in New Haven, I, I became a deputy director, and gradually, eventually, I I, I was. Uh, uh, became executive director, and I have to say, this is probably the most, um, I mean, fantastic experience I ever had. I, I, I never imagined that I could be working for such a beautiful uh, shrine and institution. And I would say the beauty of my job is not so much to be the executive director, but to be working on the content of the pontificate, geared towards a new evangelization and promoting what's is uh, I would say ever evergreen truth, uh, spiritual truth, which um, is is the experience you do when you 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 work after a sense teachings because uh, the sense geared lead you to Christ. Well, after the break, I want to talk to you some more about that, about the content of of what you have at the shrine, uh, and so we'll be talking some more with Maxime Nogier of the Saint John Paul II National Shrine. This is Chris Gunty, and you're listening to Catholic Review Radio. sister of Notre Dame for 72 years. Most senior Catholic sisters, brothers, and religious order priests served for years with little pay. I always taught the primary grades, and I loved it. Today, hundreds of religious communities lack retirement funds. Your gift to the Retirement Fund for Religious helps provide medications and care. Please give to those who have given a lifetime. Thank you, and God bless you a hundredfold. Donate at your local parish. Catholic News from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review. A project that's been years in the making began to come to life October 19th when Archbishop William E. Lorry and other dignitaries broke ground on a $6.5 million parish life center and chapel for St. Joan of Arc Parish and School in Hartford County. The 14,000-square-foot Parish Life Center will serve as a hub for the surrounding community while doubling as space for school offices. The main multi-purpose room will act as a gym and recess area for the school and allow for expanded activities such as organized team sports. A 1,200-square-foot chapel will be added to the main church across from the school. Father William F. Franken, pastor of St. Joan of Arc, thanked parishioners and school families for their support of the project. The parish is using $2.6 million from a trust to help pay for the effort, and supporters have pledged $950,000 towards a capital campaign exceeding its $800,000 goal. The parish is also relying on an archdiocesan loan and funding from grants and appeal revenue. 
For more on this story, visit catholicreview.org. Sometimes David McCarthy, associate provost at Mount St. Mary's University in Emmitsburg, learns from his students. That was certainly the case with Tampa Bay Buccaneers coach Todd Bowles, who recently completed his Bachelor of Science degree in youth and community development through the Center for Accelerated and Adult Education at the Mount. Quote, Mr. Bowles brought a wealth of experience which became part of how he learned and how he contributed to learning for others, McCarthy said. Bowles was encouraged to go back and get his degree online by his agent, Anthony Agnon, a 1975 graduate of Mount St. Mary's. Bowles completed his degree through the university's Center for Accelerated and Adult Education, which is centered around non-traditional settings. Bowles created an interdisciplinary degree in youth and community development. Quote, completing my degree was something I had always wanted to do over the years because it was something I had promised my mother when I went to play in the NFL, and I wanted to follow through on that promise, Bowles told the team's website. For more on this story, visit catholicreview.org. The Vatican and the government of Peru signed an agreement October 17th to return to Peru, three mummies sent to the Vatican in 1925 as part of the Vatican Museum's ethnological collection. The remains are believed to be centuries old and of Incan descent. For more on this story, visit catholicreview.org. For Catholic Review Media, I'm Kevin Parks. The Archdiocese of Baltimore makes the protection of children a leading priority in its parishes, schools, and other ministries. The Archdiocese seeks to keep kids safe through training and background checks and by implementing a zero-tolerance policy for anyone credibly accused of abusing a child. For more information about the Archdiocese's efforts to keep our children safe, please visit www.archbalt.org slash accountability. This is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Review Radio. We're back on Catholic Review Radio, talking with Maxime Noget of the St. John Paul II National Shrine. St. John Paul was inaugurated as Pope 44 years ago this month. Maxime, why is it so important to share the life and legacy of John Paul with your visitors? Well, you have a lot to say about John Paul II because uh, he was a pope for a long time. So he had many opportunities to travel and to meet the people where they were. As as you, you, you know, Pope Paul VI was the first pope to travel outside Italy since a long time. But John Paul II was very much the first pope to go and cross the entire continent just to meet the people where they are because nobody you know, could afford, not everyone can afford a trip to Rome. And it's important because I would say symbolically, it's important as Pope John Paul II, when he was traveling, the first thing he was doing, he was kneeling and kissing the land. Why he was doing that? He was doing that because the Holy Spirit traveled, worked with those people even before the Pope traveled here. So we we have to understand that it's important that to welcome this teaching, acknowledging that the Holy Spirit had been working with us even before we receive the grace of the faith, even before the good news had been proclaimed to, to the people, to the Gentiles again. And, and, and John Paul II, he is not a pope who traveled with humility across the continents, but he also brought things that never, no, no pope before taught, taught to us. Uh, keep in mind that the first thing he does when he arrived to in 1978 to Mexico and, and he talks about uh, Our Lady of Guadalupe, 
He talks to Native Americans. He talked to about a Virgin Mary who appeared to a Native Americans with what we say pagan symbols. He talked about people where they are with their own culture. So his teaching is not, you don't have to, to reach a requirement of Christian culture, of whatever, moral life, acknowledgement, just to understand what he said to us. You are met where you are. And this is something that no, no Pope before said before. When Pope John Paul II said at the beginning of his pontifical, let Christ talk to the man, he doesn't say, let Christ talk to the Christians, let Christ talk to the Catholic who are baptized, who are in good standards. We wish that, obviously, we all are called to the sanctity of our own life and to our own conversion every single life. We, we wake up in the morning. But Pope John Paul II reached the person where they are. And that this is a mystery of the incarnation. Christ is a man. He's a man. He was born and raised, you know, in, in Bethlehem and, 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 uh, and Nazareth. And, and he's incarnated as, as we are us. He talks the same way to you, to me, and to people who probably never heard of Jesus Christ before. So this is something absolutely unique in the history of the church. And, and also there is this, uh, this call to the prayer, the silent prayer in our life uh, to make space for Christ, to let Christ talking to us. And today the, me the message is very much the same. And we have those beautiful uh, homilies, beautiful teaching and cyclics, but also beautiful attitude he had in public, which makes sense for uh, every people of goodwill today, and especially here as a, as a St. John Paul II National Shrine. When people come to the shrine, what are they looking for? Are they looking for a connection to him? Are they looking, because he's a saint who actually lived in this century, are they looking for that narrative you, that you're talking about of the, the teachings on the theology of the body, the teachings on new evangelization, all of those kinds of things? What are they looking for? The answer to this question belongs to the mystery of the own heart of each investing visitor. So I would say we don't know. We don't know, but our job very much is to welcome whatever they are expecting from us with welcoming them. I think people are, 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 are coming to try to be welcomed and they are coming to us because they know that uh, with John Paul II, you know, you cannot go wrong. And there is also this uh, this very unique charism that the shrines have just to offer what the parish doesn't offer. It's not easy to respond to your question because you have different levels. Obviously, a single visitor who just have a genuine interest of the historical figure of John Paul II don't have the same devotion or the same attitude if somebody is coming because want to be to reconnect with the Lord or just to want to remind what John Paul II meant to him or to her when he was a, a younger person. Or basically for a person who was born after he passed away and sees this figure maybe like, Pius XII meant for us, means for us. So uh, basically, I would say the reason why people are coming to the shrine is because the reason why the shrine exists, because they have their own spiritual journey. They are on the spiritual way to meet Christ. And we are here at every level, not that because we are everything. So we are not Amazon. We are not you know, a grocery store. Right, right. We are we are here with very simple tools, very simple tools, but we have those themes developed in the exhibit, which means something uh, to anyone. And I have a beautiful story to tell. I remember 
uh, we have a few years ago, we have uh, Baptist pastors who came and happened to visit the exhibit. And while he was through the exhibit, he saw a quote on the wall of the exhibit and said, but this quote of the Bible, this is my people, this is us on, on, this, very, on this very wall. And talking to him, it happened that we, we were willing to do something together. And it happens that we have now every year uh, the, a signature event, a, a, a Station of the Cross in conjunction with the Baptist community uh, outside the church, where we can read the gospel and make and pray with meditation of John Paul II. And John Paul II unites us to Christ. And this is one of the, of the ministries we have at the shrine where people, they don't know what they're looking for. They read. They are in the attitude of contemplation, if silence on a pilgrimage, maybe they're not aware, but they are walking, they are walking, and, and something happens. Mm -hmm. And we are here just to transform, to just to make the next step with them. And this is why this, this, this work will never stop, because the church is on pilgrimage on earth, and we know that during this pilgrimage, Christ will be with us always. Where can folks get more information about the shrine? Uh, our website is the first way to find information, but also the social media. Our staff, uh, who, for people who can come uh, for masses or for events, our staff is trained to respond to their questions. And um, the, the event calendar of the shrine you know, announced you know, what, what are the next events. And uh, for, for instance, if they go on the website, they will see that from uh, October the 20th until uh, October the 23rd, we have quite a lot of events celebrating John Paul II, and this is updated regularly. Well, and for those of you who are listening on Sunday morning, October 23rd, when this first uh, will be broadcast, there will be a few events in the afternoon. So there's still time to get there and, and be a part of this celebration. That website is jp2shrine.org. That's jp, the numeral two, shrine.org. We have been talking today with Maxime Noget of the St. John Paul II National Shrine in Washington, D.C. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Chris. I really appreciate it. This is Christopher Gunty of the Catholic Review, and you've been listening to Catholic Review Radio. The Catholic Review is the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the Catholic Church full-time. Pick up the monthly magazine at your parish or have it delivered to your home. Subscribe to our e-newsletter for twice-weekly updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Read it today in print or online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. Tune in to Catholic Review Radio next week. Available on WMET 1160 AM and 103.1 FM. Also, WSJF 92.7 FM in the Sykesville area and WVTO 92.7 FM in Baltimore City. Check us out on SoundCloud or your favorite podcast app. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Review Radio. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May Almighty God bless us and keep us always in his love.